Welcome to the Beyond the Box Store podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Coach Mike Muse. He's a former men's basketball coach at Wake Forest University. He was also a highly successful high school basketball coach. Coach, how's it going? It's going great, Dave. How are you? Doing well. Coach, you want to give yourself a, a brief introduction to our listeners? Well, I'm Mike Muse. I'm a former high school and college coach and now I work at Wake Forest University with the men's and women's basketball alumni program in association with the Deacon Club. And uh, been around for a while and came from a basketball family. My dad was a coach at Parkland High School for 35 years and he then left and went to Mount Tabor where my brother's the head coach. And my dad's been coaching now for uh, 59 years. And my brother's been the head coach at Mount Tabor for 27. Uh, I've been a head coach off and on for the last 23, 24 years and have 38 years in the business myself. And so I've, I've been around the block a little bit. Grew up, grew up as a gym rat at Parkland High School and uh, just in my blood and have let it follow its course throughout. Now you're a coach through and through. Well, I've had I've been surrounded by good people who have who have made that happen. So good 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 fellow coaches and people that believed in me enough to give me a shot. And I've had great players that that as you well know, good players make great coaches. No question. Coach, talk about growing up in Winston Salem. Well. You know that's that's all I knew up and up until I went to App State in uh, 1979-80 season and uh, grew up Talcott Avenue off Shadlon Drive and uh, went to I was the first group of classes that kind of went to the five two 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 plan which was our class was the first one that went through busing so I went to uh, kindergarten through fourth grade at one school, Old Town. I went to Lawrence Intermediate School for fifth and sixth, and I went to Northwest Middle School and then to Haynes High School and then finished up at North Forsyth High School. And at, at, at the time when I was going through it, you didn't really pay much attention, but it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me growing up because I got to meet a lot of different people from a lot of walks of life. And I, I got to engage with people that pay dividends for me in my future. And, you know, to, to go over what we went through as a class and, and to, to get over a lot of racial tensions that were in the end of the 60s, early 70s. And our class to kind of mold that together. That was really cool to see, you know how that happened. So I, I was honored to be a part of that in history. And I look back on that with great memories. And some of my closest friends today are people I went to high school with. I love it. You know, you, you touched on your brother also being a coach. How competitive were you two growing up? Well, you know, you, you come from a family with four boys and, um, everything is competitive, you know, from playing cards to playing basketball in the backyard to food that gets put on the table. You're, you're scrapping and fighting for whatever you can get and you want to get it before somebody else does. So, uh, you know, we, we were very, com we, we, we come from a very competitive family and we're still competitive. Uh, but that being said, don't mess with us, you know, you know, we, we got each other's backs and, and we're family and family first. And that's always been our case. And when we're when we're going against each other, we're, we're trying to kick the other one's tail and and win the game. And when it's over, it's over You're your family and you don't let that anything else get in the way of that. So that that's always been important. Definitely. You know, did it your your dad and you know, grandfather kind of being a coach did that impact your decision to go into the profession i'm sure it did my mom was a teacher my dad was a, a teacher and a coach and you know when you grow up in a gym and you grow up around 
athletes and they take you in as their little brother. And, you know, at, at Parkland high school, my dad was probably the, the first coach in Winston-Salem to have an integrated team, you know, that, that he, the race issue was not important for us. You know, we didn't see black and white and we, we saw, red, white, and blue, you know, because that was the color of the Mustang uniform. And 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 his players uh, adopted us, and they took care of us, and they were our brothers. And, you know, I saw how much my dad and Homer Thompson, who was a football coach at Parkland at the time, uh, helped people. And just being – I love ball, and I love helping people, and those two together just was a natural fit. Uh, for me to fall into. And, uh, you know, I, I, I played, but I wasn't the greatest player. I, I worked hard. and uh, But I, I knew that there was something there for me down the road. I had to have a, a, a life in sports in some, some way and uh, was fortunate enough to get that. You know, you went on to attend App State. You majored in PE and health. What made you decide to go there? Well, um, I went up for a visit and my parents both went there and, and we had kind of followed them all along. And uh, I got accepted to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and got, got waitlisted. And I wanted to go ahead and start and uh, didn't want to wait till December. And so I went on to App State and it's the best decision that I, that I could have made, you know. And um, our, our family's probably got now. 18 different people that have gone to and been a part of the app state family and been a mountaineer. And, you know, it turned out to be a great decision for my, for my career because I got connected with guys like Bobby Crimmins and Kevin Cantwell who took a chance on this young guy from Winston Salem. You know, you start your career, your coaching career uh, at your alma mater app state. Who were some of the other coaches you talked about, you know, Kremens, uh, and what was your role with the, the program? Well, back back in those days, you know, I, I actually started my coaching career at Watauga High School when I was doing some student teaching, and Bill Malden, who was a football coach there, and Tom Trexler was one of the coaches there. Jack Gross was one of the coaches there. They, they kind of knew that I wanted to go into coaching, and they allowed me to do some student teaching and, and the coach, you know, football with coach Malden and, and, and baseball there. And, um, at the same time, they allowed me to continue to work as a student assistant and manager and Jack of all trades for app state basketball. So, um, that, that's kind of how I got my start. And, um, you know, I, I tried out as a walk on and, and, Coach Crimmins knew that I wanted to coach, and he taught me into becoming a, a manager, and I was able to, to get some books paid for by doing that down the road. And it, it, I got to see the program from the bottom up. And, you know, anytime you want to get to the top, when you know, when you know the life at the bottom and you can work your way through the ranks, it gives you a different perspective on everything that you've been through. So uh, I, I was fortunate that, that – he and Coach Cantwell believed in me, and then Coach Cantwell hired me at that time, <clears throat> which was the part-time coach, which is equivalent to the director of basketball operations today. You, you kind of did everything on campus. The only thing part-time about it was the pay. And so, uh, you know, you still had full-time responsibilities and full-time job, and I was able to do that until he left to go join Coach Crimmins at Georgia Tech. What made you decide to return to your hometown and be a teacher and coach? Well, you know, at that point in time, I, I was 28 years old and I'd, I'd done two years in college and um, Coach Cantwell left and went to Georgia Tech. And I just felt like I'd been at App State for a while, eight years, and it was time for me to, you know, five years as a student and three years afterwards working with the program. And I just kind of felt like, okay, I, I, I want to move on with my life. I want to have a career. You know, you, you know the business. You go camp to camp to camp. You work 12 camps a summer, and you're trying to make connections, and you're 
you're doing all this. And, and I got to the point where I said, you know what, maybe the college route's not the way to go for me. Maybe I need to go get involved with the high school ranks and, and run my own program at some point in time. And uh, so I, Winston had a job open in, in PE and it was close to my home and I got to be back with my family. And so I, I took a job at RJ Reynolds High School and w- was able to work with David Morris over there, who was the head coach at the time that had played at Wake. And uh, we, ha- we had a great, great run of things over there. You know, you talked about the camp. So what camps and clinics did you work and attend uh, throughout your coaching career? Well, I, as a coach, I've tried to go to a clinic every year, whether it's in person or online. And I just, I just think as a coach, if you're not trying to develop yourself and you're not trying to learn and you're not trying to take from the best in the business, uh, I, I just don't think that, that you're growing the way that you need to go. And I never wanted to be stagnant. I, I felt like I was a lifelong learner. And I always was trying to study what the most successful people in the game were doing. And so I tried to go to camps wherever I could get in. You know, I, I worked Georgia Tech camp every year for 20 years. I worked Wake Forest camp. I went to all over, the all over. you know, just whoever could – could need me. You know, I worked Kansas camp for a couple years, uh, rode through and worked Virginia and Virginia tech and, you know, just wherever somebody needed me. And then I got a break working for Bob Gibbons and, uh, all-star sports. And, and Bob was really nice to let me come in and he started me off. And then I just kept elevating and got to the point where I was evaluating talent for him. And, you know, that, that was a, that was a really good, 25 year run working for Bob. And so, uh, got to meet a lot of people, got to see a lot of things and, you know, nothing like working his Memorial day tournament down when it was at Duke Chapel Hill and NC state and, uh, just evaluating talent and seeing coaches and learning players. And I I think that helped me become a better coach. You know, you earned your master's from App State in 1999. What made you decide to go back for your master's? And I'm sure it was tough going back to school and teaching. Did you still coach during those years? I did. I coached three sports and uh, got my master's. And I had three kids under five at the same time. And, you know, it was that that was a, a rough couple of years there. But um, I, at the time, it's kind of like it was now there was a shortage of administrators and I thought that at one point in time, I'd be able to become an assistant principal slash athletic director and still be the head basketball coach. And it was a way for me to take care of my family a little bit more, you know, by getting a higher pay grade, you get paid more on a master's. And so I just felt like if I, if I was ever going to do it, that was the time to do it. And I'd also applied for a couple other college jobs during that time and did not get them because I did not have a master's. And so if I wanted more doors to open, I just felt like I had to, I had to continue to upgrade myself. And so I went back and got my master's degree in, in, in school administration. And then, you know, the, the, the boom never happened where I was able to, to up it to be, be an assistant principal and a, and a coach at the same time. They wanted you to choose one or the other, and so I stuck with coaching. Your teams at North Forsyth were, were very successful. How was it to coach, and you did you end up grow, uh, graduating from there? I graduated from North, uh, went to, and then I started coaching R.J. Reynolds, but I uh, went back to North Forsyth, uh, and their, their head girls job opened, and, I, you know, I just wanted a head job. And uh, going back and, and coaching the girls at North Forsyth was was the best thing by far that I ever did as a coach um, because it, A, let me cut my teeth as a head coach, as a young person. Uh, B, it made me learn how to break down the game and, and not just teach it at, at the highest level, but to teach it at a level that could be learned rapidly. And so you had to be creative with drills and you had to be creative with terminology and you had to be creative in how you got it. But you know what? I never coached the girls any different than I did, did the guys. I, I had the same high expectations and, 
you know, that, that was a great run and we made it to the state finals and, and lost, um, to a really good team out of Raleigh. And I have no regrets in those seven years that I was a women's coach. And, and matter of fact, those years were my formative years as a, to become a, a, a men's coach. And a lot of what I learned in, in how to take care of people and how to deal with issues off the floor and how to, how to be encouraging and motivating on the floor just carried right over with me. And, and so that was a, that was, that was a really good experience to, for my head first head coaching job to be coaching the girls at North Forsyth. And we had success. And so that was, that was a lot of fun doing that. No, and I imagine coaching at your alma mater has got to be, you know, a great feeling. And then obviously to have success, uh, has got to be tremendous. It was. And it, it, that the success that I had with the, the girls program allowed me to get the boys program, you know, seven years later. And I was able to, to, to take the boys program and, and do the, do kind of the same thing with it and have some success and, and win games. And we had, you know, to grow up in that community, to grow up in that school, you, you want it to be the best and you want to, you want to leave your mark and leave your legacy and you want to pass things on and you want to push things forward. And every job that I've, I've ever taken, I've tried to leave it better than what I found it. And I tried to elevate it, whether it's facilities or whatever, you know, style of play or number of wins or whatever else, I always tried to get it to the next level and then allow whoever came in after me to, to be able to be in a position to take it even further. And that that's kind of always been my goal. And, you know, my dad taught me that and Coach Crimmins taught me that, always leave a place better than you found it. And so that's that's kind of been what I, my philosophy over the years, who have been some of your assistant coaches who you've really been able to pour into? And I'm interested, especially on the girls' side, you know, being a first-time girls basketball head coach, you know, who are some of those uh, women's basketball coaches who poured into you? The Well, you know, at the time, Joe Sanchez was at, at Wake Forest, and I got the, to follow his program a lot. And, you know, then I watched what – was going on down at Chapel Hill with Sylvia Hatchell. And I went to a bunch of clinics that she did and, you know, was able to, to steal some ideas from her and uh, went over to Tennessee and, you know, over in Knoxville, Pat Summit was the best of the best at the time. And so, you know, working, working her camp and, and being able to watch what she did and how she ran a program and how she did drills and, and watching her practice and taking some notes from that, uh, reading everything I could on her and Dean Smith at the time and John Wooden at the time, you know, um, that those, those, you just got to read and you got to learn, you got to study, you know, cause at, at the time those were, those were the people at the pinnacle of their success. And so, you know, about that same time, I was following Phil Jackson and Pat Riley and seeing what they were doing and reading whatever I could on them and watching their drills and watching their games, seeing how they dealt with players and, and, and the system that they ran. And so, you know, the Celtics were great and Jordan was doing his thing with the Bulls and basketball was at the highest level I thought and so I, I really grew up watching some great coaches and, and learning from them and you know John Thompson was was one of the guys that I tried to read up on and follow and watch from a distance and you know I, I thought he brought a lot to the game and I wanted to learn what he brought and so you know you just you just study from afar sometimes you I mean, sometimes you just get in the building and watch a practice, and, and, and that's really good. The assistant coaches you've had, though, were a lot of them teachers as well or maybe former players of yours? I know that you really, you know, even to me, you know, as a mentor, as somebody who you can lean on for guidance, and I'm sure that you poured into those assistant coaches. 
Well, I, I, I tried to, and, and, and I always wanted my assistant coaches to want to become head coaches or to become an assistant principal or a principal. And, um, you, you know, I had Rodney Bass, who's now the principal at East Forsyth. I had Sean Bestel, who became a, a, a great coach and athletic director at North Forsyth. And, and, you know, guys like Mark Ray, who's now at uh, Albemarle High School, and, you know, then I get with the boys program and guys like Kevin King come along and he's a head coach at West Forsyth now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch the people that you have grow into the, grow into a head coach and, and run their own programs and do those things. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, that's part of, people did that for me to get me ready. And I always felt like I could pay it forward by, helping the next person out, you know, and then any time that I've, I could get a former player to come back, Charette Guthrie came back and helped me coach. And, you know, Larry Curry came back and helped me coach. And any, any time that I could get a former player back in to help coach, that was always a positive for me. Yeah, no, that's definitely rewarding. You know, the late great Skip Prosser hires you as his director of basketball operations at Wake Forest, uh, 2006. How did you two get connected? Uh, that that was a life-changing moment for me. Um, we got connected because I realized that probably the year before Skip came that I got tired of traveling all over the country all summer, working as many camps as I could. And so I narrowed my focus down to only working Wake Forest camps and to work in Bob Gibbons camps. And at the time I was working the NBA Players Association camp. So that, that, that was really what I did. And I felt like I could be home more, but still get the job. And then I felt like all the relationships that I had were kind of superficial. I knew a lot of people, but I didn't have a lot of depth because you're with them for a week and then you might talk to them once or twice during the year. And I just felt like I'm spinning my wheels and maybe I need to develop deeper, longer lasting relationships. And so I focused on Bob's work and I focused on Wake Forest camps. And so when Skip got there, I worked, I'd already started working every camp, you know, coach Odom and coach Wainwright were there and, and their sons played at RJ Reynolds and I got to know them. And so I was able to work their camps and, and just started working, working, working. And Coach Prosser comes in and I continue to work those camps. And, you know, I worked every camp that he had. And when I went to Bob Gibbons camps, I came back and I gave him my list and I gave him my notes and told him these players I thought were ACC caliber. And, you know, he needed to take a look at them. And the more I did that, the more he liked what I was bringing. And, you know, I, Tim Fuller got the job and coach said, well, you don't want it. And I said, well, okay. And then the, it came open again. And uh, I said, coach, won't you let me make that decision this time? Cause I really want it. And I want to be with you. And cause I found out in this business, it's not where you are, it's who you're with. And to be with great people means everything to you and to have the right people surrounding you makes your, makes, it's already a great job, but it makes the job even better. So I wanted to be around Coach Froster because I'm, he was my type of person. He was my type of man. He ran things the right way. He did things. He was true to his word. He was loyal as they come. And, you know, when I got that opportunity, I was I was very, very grateful. You know, the team only had two seniors uh, and full of promising freshmen and sophomores, despite going 15 and 16 five and 11 in ACC play. How optimistic were you guys at the core of that roster would have success the next few seasons? Well, we, we knew that bringing in, and I call them my freshmen because <laughs> we were all freshmen together and whatever they did, I did. When they were in the weight room, I was in the weight room. If they were in study hall, I went to study hall. If they, if they were going to class, I was walking, you know, checking up on them and, uh, Th those were my six guys, and, and that's what I was 
coach wanted me to do was have a feel for them and make sure they got in. And, you know, when they needed extra shots or they needed extra work, I, I was the rebounder and the passer. And, the, you know, when you got Ish Smith and L.D. Williams and David Weaver and Chase McFarlane, and it's a pretty good, pretty good bunch. And so, you know, we knew that just kept recruiting. And then the next year we got James Johnson and Jeff Teague and, you know, with what we had that, that took us to a different level. What was that moment that hit you and made you realize, man, you're coaching the ACC. Well, the, the first time you walk out of the tunnel, uh, non-conference game and the motorcycles going and the tie-dye nations rocking and the bands playing and you walk out and, they do the starting lineups, and then all of a sudden they call your name, and you go, dang, this is, you know, you got to pinch yourself a little bit. And, it, it, you know, that, that's something I, that I dreamed about since I saw UCLA and NC State playing Greensboro in the Final Four. And uh, I always wanted to be a college coach and got to do it at App State. Now I'm doing it in my hometown at Wake Forest in the ACC. And a lot of people said, oh, you'll never get there. You'll just, you can't get there from high school. And I just never gave up faith. And I just kept working and kept trying to do the right things and, and just got people to believe in me, like I believed in them and tried to help as many people as I could. And, and it paid off. I know you've told me he was one of your mentors, Coach Prosser, speaking of him, and really took you under his wing. Who else was on staff, and how was the ACC during that time? Well, you know, Coach Jeff Battle was another guy that, that took me under his wing, and uh, he's one of the best in the business. Um, he knows how to stir the juice. He knows how to motivate players. He's one of the best guard coaches that I've ever been around. And he's honest and he's humble and he, he's loyal. And Coach Battle was one of those guys that, that looked after me as well as Coach Prosser. And, you know, we had Pat Kelsey, who's, who's now the coach down in Charleston on staff. We had Dino Gaudio on staff. Uh, Chris Mack had just left. And so I was, I was surrounded by some pretty, pretty wise coaches. Obviously, the basketball community, Wake Forest, and the Prosser family suffered a major loss um, after he passed away. You were the one who found him. How traumatizing was that? You, you wouldn't think that um, one day, one moment would change the course of your life as much as that, that day did. I mean, that, that day kind of put – that's a red letter day in, in my life. And it's one that I will never forget. It's one that I can almost go moment by moment and minute by minute and tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing and what was going on. And, you know, it, it was at the time, it was the hardest thing I'd ever gone through. And uh, looking back, um, it's still, it's still hard to talk about sometimes. Um, because coach was so good to me. He was like a second father and a mentor and was grooming me to become a head college coach and had taken me under his wing. And, you know, the trips he and I made just where I was driving and he would, he would be watching video and then he'd go recruit and I'd sit in the car and wait on him to get back and we'd drive back and we'd talk. And, you know, you, you don't forget those moments, but that, that one day was, it was earth shattering and it rocked my world and, you know, I, I, I kind of went through the motions for the next year, uh, telling everybody oh, I was okay, but walking in the office every day and looking at that black couch and having to relive it, it, it kind of gets to you after a while. And so I, I knew after that it, I, I needed to make a change. And so I came back. I had eight years left to get my retirement in the school system and with the state of North Carolina. So I came back and went to East Forsyth to become the head, head boys coach. And it was, it was a good change for me. You know, what you were in charge of ending that Wake Forest youth basketball camp um, with the speech that coach Prosser was supposed to deliver. How emotional was that, that moment? And what was the mood um, at the camp? I'd called 
we, we had grabbed all our, our, all our players and got them up to the conference room. And I still had to finish the camp and, um, having just done CPR for 15 minutes and watching him roll out and, and the camp was going on. I had to get the awards done and, you know, you, you kind of just go on autopilot and you do what you got to do and you, you try not to think about that. You just finish, but to go up there and to fill coach's shoes, I tried to give similar speech to what he would give and ended the camp. And as soon as it was over and I could get to the hospital, that's, that's what we did. And I joined the other coaches staff there and they gave us the word that, you know, coach didn't make it. And I, I kind of felt like I'd let down the whole, whole Wake Forest community because I couldn't do enough to, to revive him. And uh, that, that was tough, you know, that, that was a tough, tough day. And, and then to go through the funeral and, you know, you sometimes question why this happened to me and, and what'd you get out of it? And where is it going to lead you next? And, you know, then all of a sudden you find out the answers and, and you know why you were put in those situations. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the time. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about Skip Prosser. There's not a day that goes by that I don't use one of his sayings. There's not a day that goes by that that I don't think of something that he did that how he impacted somebody else that I don't try to impact them in the same way. And so uh, it, it was good for me. It was a wake-up call for me. It put things in perspective for me instead of just chasing the wind and chasing a job. You know, it made me it made me realize what's really important in life. And that's the people that you surround yourself with. And they can be taken away from you at any moment. And you better stop and love on them. And you better tell them that you love them. And you better treat them with respect and kindness and care because you might not get that opportunity tomorrow. And so that was that was a big wake up call for me at that point in my life. I'd have to imagine he's pretty darn proud of the man you've become and who you're, you know, during your time at Wake as a coach, uh, you know, I can only imagine. Well, you know, the, the, I wake up every day and I try to model what my dad, the type of man that he was and he is and how he treated his players and how he treats his wife and how he treats his family. And I wake up every day and I try to make Coach Prosser proud. And, you know, if I can live my Christian faith and walk that walk and and those two men be pleased with if I can be half the man that those two men were, then 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 I will have lived a good life. And if somebody at the end of the day can say, hey, Mike Muse cared about people, he loved people and he took care of his people. That's a win. I'm a winner. Uh, it doesn't matter about wins and losses on the floor. It, it just matters about. Did you make people around you better? Did you make them feel better? Did you encourage? Did you help? Did you do those things? And, and you know, that's that's we sometimes we get caught up in the other parts of coaching and we lose sight of taking care of your players and taking care of your assistants and and building that family chemistry and and making sure you're loving on them off the floor as much as you do on the floor. And we chase the wrong things sometimes. And I, I'm just a firm believer that you can do both and that that you'll be more successful in doing that down the road if you if you take care of your people. This question will kind of soften the mood a little bit, but I know he used to enjoy refing a game or two during those camps. You'd be the guy to ask, was he a better coach or referee? Who, Coach Prosser? Yeah. Oh, Coach Prosser, he was a he was so funny as a referee because he would blow the whistle and he'd talk a little bit of trash or make a little bit of joke. And he had a quick wit and, you know, and the kids and the coaches there loved it. And that's the one thing about coach Prosser. He was never, he never asked you to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And one of his big things was uh, he, he was one of those coaches that just didn't show up on the first day of camp or the last day and get your picture made. You didn't see him in between coach Prosser was there for stations. He was there for games. He was there high-fiving kids. He was in the dorms at night. There were a lot of nights that he stayed in the dorm. Uh, and he just, he was, if his name was on the camp, he was going to be part of the camp. And 
from keeping score to refereeing to hanging out with the coaches and doing clinics to signing autographs to getting pictures made to eating with the kids at the at the cafeteria ordering pizzas and handing them out at night you know that just shows you the type of man that he was and that's that that had a huge impact on me as a as a coach you received special permission from the NCAA to go on the road recruiting because Pat Kelsey was coming yeah. home to be with his pregnant wife. How excited were you to be on the road recruiting, especially in Vegas? Well, I, I was so forward look, looking so forward to that trip. And, uh, you know, I had worked so hard and I was I had all my notes done. I had all my packets in. I'd already made notes on my travel schedule and my plan and who I was going to go see and how to get the quickest route to the gym. And, you know, I was an hour away from taking off when when Coach Prosser passed and I, I never made that trip. And I, uh, you know, I still have those notes and I still have that itinerary and I, it's packed away and it's locked up and it's, it's a reminder that, you know, sometimes we make plans and God changes them. And, you know, you, you just have to be willing for the change when it comes. And so I was excited to be able to go. But I'm glad that I was where I was when I was there because I've been trained in CPR for 20 years. I had taught it. I knew it. I knew what I was doing. And I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to have to go through what I went through. And because of my training and because of me being a, a certified instructor in it, I just felt like I did the best that I could. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. Dino Gotti is named the head coach of Wake Forest, which promotes <laughs> the assistant coach. How did you find out you were getting bumped up? Well, you know, our athletic director, Ron Wellman, had called us all in and we, we had had a roundtable discussion and, um, you know, w we all talked about sticking together and being there for the kids and, and doing what coach would want us to do. And, you know, coach told me that I'd worked hard and he, he was just going to move me up and bring somebody else in and just for a continuity sake and, you know, give me a chance to prove myself. And, you know, we, we were, we were a team and we were, we, we were there together and we, we, we went through it together and we were going to continue to go through it together. And we want to try to make coach Prosser proud by what we did. And so, you know, when Dino got the job and he, he had told us if he got it, that this is what was going to happen. And Ron Wellman made that decision to give him the job. And, you know, he was, he carried out his word. And so, I'm grateful to him for giving me that opportunity because he didn't have to. With you as an assistant coach at Wake Forest, you guys went 17 and 13 and then 24 and 7, including 18 and 14 in ACC play those two seasons. You know, you touched on it earlier, but what made you decide to step away from being an ACC assistant coach? Well, you know, the the mental health part of things and the – the way you deal with things and, you know, it just got to be, it got to be where it wasn't fun, you know, and it, it wasn't the basketball side. It was, it was the mental drain that I had, I had pushed autopilot for so long that I had never really, I, I didn't deal with coach Prosser's death. I kind of buried it and went on and tried to do the best I could and, you know, working 18 hour days and that sometimes you, you use your work as an excuse not to have to deal with something. And, and so, you know, that was that was kind of tough. And I knew I just needed some time just to and I wasn't myself and, and it was affecting it was affecting other things around me and it was affecting people that I was living with and dealing with and you know, when you realize as a, and it takes somebody stronger to admit that, you know, you're not healthy, you need to get healthy. And I just knew that things weren't right. And I needed to change. And so, you know, Coach Gaudio was wanting to bring Rusty LaRue in and, 
you know, I just knew it was time for me to go. East Forsyth hires you to be their head coach. You went on to win over 100 games there, including the Frank Spencer Championships in 2013, 14, and 2018. And then appearances in the playoffs, but all but one season with the Eagles. Talk about, you know, how that kind of revived you as a coach, you know, finding that. I know you didn't lose the fire, but, you know, you were able to, to get healthy, but then also you know, have success as a coach. You know, I was able to get balance back in your life. And as a, as a coach, if you don't have, if you don't have balance, if you don't have make time for family and you don't make time to, to work out and exercise and you're not making time for church and you're not making time for your job and, and you don't have that balance, then, then, then you get worn out and you get burned out. And I would encourage anybody in this profession to make sure that, that you find balance to make sure that, that you stay physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially healthy because you can't do this job without that. And, and leaving to go back to high school afforded me some, some time to, to, to get healthy in all those areas and to, to go back to take what coach and my dad had taught me and to be able to put it into use. And I was able to do that. And, you know, one of the cool things about going back to East Forsyth is uh, I was able to coach Brandon Childers, who had ties to Wake Forest with his dad, Randolph, and I was able to coach Riley LaRue, who who was Rusty's son. And, you know, it was pretty cool that here I am, the head coach, coach of a son, son coach's son, and there Brandon's a coach's son, and Riley's a coach's son, and I I understand the pressure that they were going through and, and the expectations and what they try to live up to. And we're all deacons and, you know, we, we had a pretty good run right in there and I had really good players and, you know, the Cone boys and Larry Curry and Craig Hinton who ended up being a Harlem Globetrotter and a bunch of guys that went on to play uh, college baseball or college football stepped into our program. And I had great support with Tim White and Alan Plaster as my AD and Trish Ganey and Rodney Bass as my principals and Todd Willard as a football coach supported us. And I was just in the right spot at the right time with the right people. And, you know, there, there's everything you can say about that is being around the right people. No, and you and I both know that, you know, the administration can either make or break you. And so it sounds like you did have a terrific uh, support staff there and administration. No. It, wonderful. Great people and still follow them and, and try to connect with them today. Your overall record as a head coach, you're 350 uh, and 181, eight regular season conference titles, five conference tournament titles, and your team earned 18 state playoff berth, selected as the coach of the year eight times. What goes through your mind when you hear all that? Uh <laughs> He's around a long time. <laughs> no, it was, you know, you look back on it and you don't realize that while you're going through it, that maybe how successful you were on the floor. Uh, but there again, I had great assistant coaches. Bill Armour is one of my dearest friends. And uh, he was with me for a lot of those. Rich Hobbegger was with me and, you know, I mentioned Sean Vestal and Mark Ray and Kevin King. And uh, it, it's just something to be said for the people that helped me get there and the players that, that bought into what we were trying to do and, and did things the right way. And, you know, it just shows you that you can do it at any level. And that's, that's important. And I hope that one of my measuring sticks is how, how are my players after they've gone? Because, you know, are they successful men and women? Are they productive in the community? Are they good husbands and wives? Are they good at their job that they're doing? Did they take what they learned and are they applying it to their life? Are they paying it forward? If they're doing those things and it doesn't matter what my win and loss record was, I feel like I, I've, I've made a difference in the lives of somebody, even ju if just for a four-year period. That's so true. 
Coach, you coached in the uh, North Carolina Coaches Association East-West game, uh, actually won the game 119-80, to uh, coaching the West over the East team. Talk about that event and, and how neat it was to be selected to coach. Well, that, that also was a dream come true. You know, my dad coached in, this, in the same game, and I got to go watch him coach, and a lot of my friends had coached in it, and to be recognized by your peers – uh, and given that opportunity towards the end of, end of my high school career was phenomenal. And not many coaches get to say that that you won your last game. And I won my last game. It was the East-West All-Star game. It was a I had a great group of guys. They were phenomenal people. Uh, they were hard workers. And, and to win it in the fashion that we won it in, it, it was a dream come true. It was probably as close to one of the most perfect games that I was a part of. I mean, because we did everything that we, we set out to do. Uh, the kids were great. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed working with our assistant coach that we had. And it was, it was phenomenal. And it was just one of those experiences where, you know, you're, you're just thankful that you had the opportunity and you enjoyed the experience and, and whether we won the game or lost, I would have enjoyed the experience, but it, it is special when, when you win it. You coached other sports. What else did you coach? And really, did you ever have an offseason? Well, you know, I coached football for about 22 years. And then I got to the point where it was there was so much overlap between that and basketball that I uh, um, decided just to focus on basketball. And, and one of the sports that I – I either coached baseball or girls softball, and I was a head girls softball coach for about 24 years, 25 years, and, and that was as rewarding as being a head basketball coach. And, you know, it, it kept you in it, – it, it kept me from just getting burned out, you know. And it gave my assistants a chance to do off-season workouts, and I would go in and just watch, and it, it allowed them to, to be – head coaches for a little bit and it got me away from the players. It got the players away from me. Uh, Cause you know, sometimes they need to hear other voices. Uh, but then come back summer, I would pick up where I'd left off and, and, you know, we, we could talk and I always tried to co-coach with people, not be a head coach and assistant. And we were all in it together. And so that, that really helped. Well, head coach and co-coaching you, you went for 414 and 142 in 24 years on the softball diamonds. How different were your coaching tactics, not just the girls to boys and, and vice versa, but I guess sport to sport from basketball, football, and softball, baseball? Well, you know, high expectations are high expectations and accountability and responsibility and team chemistry, I don't care what sport you're coaching, what what gender you're coaching, uh, those things follow you around. And, you know, good academics and hard playing teams and good fundamentals and excellent skill work, sport to sport, it doesn't matter. Those, those are things that you've got to have, and you've got to have athlete buy-in, and you've got to have – enthusiasm for your job and you've got to have a knowledge of the sport and it, it doesn't matter what sport those things continually follow you whatever you're doing and so you know I tried to be the best I could at whatever I was doing at the time that I was doing it but you know that we grew up playing three sports so I was kind of used to that and it just got to the point where the North Carolina High School <clears throat> Athletic Association just the, the overlap of the seasons were just so great that it just wasn't fair to, to do that anymore. Outside of the field of play, <clears throat> the North for size, uh, teacher of the year in 2002, how rewarding was that recognition? Uh, it was, it was awesome to be recognized by your, your peers. Um, and then it was even a bigger honor to be selected as a finalist and being in the final two, uh, in the in the county for that honor and you know it was it was a great experience for me to go through and it was it, it was something that I tried to fight my entire career that coaches 
often got a bad rep in the classroom. And I always felt like your best coaches had to be some of your best teachers uh, because if, if, if I'm expecting my athletes to do it in the classroom, then I didn't want to be one of those teachers that just handed out worksheets and showed movies. And I, I wanted to teach and I wanted to set the tone there as well. You know, Hey, I'm in here teaching every day and I expect you to go to class every day. And I don't take time off in the classroom and neither should you as an athlete. And I, you know, I always wanted to model what I wanted our athletes to do. And so to be recognized for that and to, to be a coach that got recognized for that was, it, it was, it, it kind of gave me some validation that everything that I was trying to do had been noticed. And that, that was pretty cool. I didn't seek it. It just got, a, you know, appointed. And I was really honored and humbled to, to have that bestowed upon me. You know, when you hear the name coach Muse, there's so many of them, especially in North Carolina. Talk about some of your relatives that are involved with coaching or playing currently. Well, my, my dad still helps my brother at Mount Tabor. My brother, Andy, is longtime coach at Mount Tabor. And probably the, he's got over 500 wins and has done remarkable. He's won a state championship and he's built that program. And I, I'm so proud of him and would support him in any way that I could. And my nephew, Adam, is now the – the head coach at Reagan high school and, and he's second year in and he's going to get that program to where it needs to be. And I know he's going to do great things there and he's a good young up and coming coach. And I'm so proud of, of the job that he's doing and, and how he's gone through the last two years of, you know, especially through a COVID year as a young coach that I wouldn't want to go through it as an older coach, you know, and, uh, so to watch what he's done and how he relates to athletes and, and the, what he does off the floor and on the floor and the way he carries himself, you, you just can tell that down the road he's going to be successful. Wake Forest approached you about becoming the Deacon Club Director of Basketball Alumni Relations <clears throat> in October of 2019. How excited were you to return to Wake Forest and how tough was it to inform your players that you were going to be uh, retiring from high school? Well, it, it was one of those things that, you know, you get, you get your 30 years in with the school system and you, I was not ready to leave, to be honest, uh, I, especially the coaching side of it, you know, and I loved going in the classroom every day and I still enjoyed it. And, you know, you get to a point in your career where you've tapped out financially and you can't make any more money. And I was at that point that, you know, I can't get a pay raise and I, I, I've, I've topped out as a coach and I, uh, I've topped out as a teacher and, you know, I've got my years in. And so it was, a, it was an opportunity for me to end, end one career and go start another one. And, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how long I was going to be in coaching. And when this opportunity presented, Self, I just couldn't, I couldn't turn it down. It got me back to Wake Forest and I just felt like God opened the door and I was able to, to reconnect with a lot of old players and ones that I coached, ones that had been part of the storied history. And, you know, I have really enjoyed my time there. I will not rule out not coaching again because I, I still think there's part of me that, that would love to do that again. Uh, I miss the X's and O's. I miss the camaraderie in the locker room. I miss seeing players go from where you start to where you finish and, and the growth that they get. And I, I miss those relationship building things. And um, I won't rule it out, but I won't say I'll be back. You know, it's just I, I, I'll let God pick which door he wants me to go down. And that's kind of how I live my life. Well, I know that job opened up uh, because a co guy got back into coaching. So uh, it's not unheard of. And, uh, you know, if anybody can do it, I'm sure you, you can do it as well. Well, you know, it, it's got to be the right situation and it's got to be with the right people. You know, you, I, I'm, I'm past the point in my career that you take a job just to be taking a job and, you, you know, who you're with and where it's got to be the right situation. And I, I the, 
it, it's not about the level, you know, because I think there's some tremendous high school coaches. I think there's tremendous uh, community college and junior college coaches. I think there are tremendous D1, D2, D3, and AIA coaches. And so you you can – Coach Prosser always used to say, be big time where you are. And and to me, that's that's kind of what, what you look for. And, you know, can you go in and elevate a program? Absolutely. Can you go in and make it better than what you found it? Absolutely. Can you get the right people? Absolutely. And to me, that's what that's what the coaching fraternity is all about and helping each other out and being there for each other and and building each other and and doing it, knowing your why, you know, why are you in this job? And at the end of the day, you're in there to make players better and to make them better people and and to be an influence on them and if you don't forget that you've you've had a good success talk about your relationship with the current coaches at wake forest i know that uh you know you're in the athletic department you're not technically on the basketball staff but uh, i know that you work really closely with them obviously oh yeah every day i'm i'm i try to get over to their offices every day coach forbes and, and coach hoover and Coach Manning was really good to me while he was there and, and, and one of the nicest people I've ever met and included me. Uh, Coach Hoover is, is fantastic and has really built the program and, and it's continuing to rise. And, and Coach Forbes has come in and, and he's doing a remarkable job, you know, not having been out on the road and not being able to have kids on campus. And, and I look forward to where he takes the program and, he, he's phenomenal to be around. He's funny. He's energetic. He's passionate. And, you know, I, I'm surrounded by great people and their staffs that, that, that they have with their assistant coaches are, you know, phenomenal. And, and they're, they're really easy to work with. And, and so I'm in a good situation. I'm in a good spot. I, I love where I'm at at Wake Forest. And I love the people that I work with and, and work for you spearheaded the 25th anniversary of the 95 ACC championship. How rewarding was it to have so many Wake Forest legends back in the Joel? Well, that, that was, uh, that's another one of those nights that you, you don't forget, you know, and it's uh, to have 89 former players come back and, you know, all but two of the guys in the rafters that were living were back and, they couldn't be back because one was out of town and, and working for the Hornets and the other was was playing. Chris Paul was playing. And so to have Tim back and Josh Howard back and Charlie Davis back and Skip Brown back, and you know, it, it was it was phenomenal night. And not only that, but we had trainers back. We had secretaries back. We had managers back. And so it was a big night of Wake Forest basketball family. And, and, you know, that's what we're trying to become or Deeks for life and not, you know, coach always used to say not a four-year commitment, but a lifetime commitment. And, and we want to see Wake Forest basketball men's and women's get back to a family atmosphere where it doesn't matter who the coach is or what's going on, that you're proud to be a Deacon 40 years after you left, just like you were when you were wearing the black and gold and playing the game. What's the most rewarding part of your current position? Uh, just the connections that I'm able to make. You know, um, it's been really fun to take uh, one former player that might be a little bit younger, that needs help from a player that's a little bit older, and to watch the intergenerational connections be made. And, you know, this guy might might know somebody that can help somebody else. And, and that's been phenomenal. And, and to watch uh, players come back and to, to be on campus and uh, want to be part of the program again, to me, that's, that's the reward. And, and, and the most rewarding part is when, when they call me up and I don't have to call them, you know, Hey coach, how's it going? I saw our girls did this or, you know, Hey, I saw we got this recruit or, Coach, I'd like to bring my family by and take a tour of the facilities. Those are the those are the moments that I look forward to. And anytime family gets together, you know, it, it, it's it's a wonderful experience. And Wake Forest basketball is my family. Absolutely. 
Coach, we've come to the segment I call Start, Bench, Cut, where I give you three things. You start one, bench one, and cut one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bojangles, cookout, Zaxby's. Whoo, tough one. Going, going with cookout because the milkshakes. Okay. Who's coming off the bench? Uh, Bojangles. Okay, and then cutting Zaxby's. Cutting Zaxby's. Okay, I know these are three of your favorites here, but uh, Jay-Z, Nas, and P. Diddy. Who? I got to probably go with Nas first, Jay-Z, then P. Diddy. White man can't jump, Hoosiers, blue chips. Uh, that, that's, that's not even close. Hoosiers is, is number one. Um, give me the other two again. White man can't jump and blue chips. Uh, I probably have to say white man can't jump and then blue chips. Okay. Nike Adidas Under Armour. Uh, Nike Adidas Under Armour. Last one. Hoop dirt, coaching changes, Stan Van Gundy. Twitter follows. Uh, I follow all three, actually, uh, but I probably spend more time with Hoop Dirt and Stan Van Gundy, just because, Stan, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Coach, who are three guests I should have on the podcast? Um, I would definitely have uh, Steve Forbes on, uh, a, a guy that I, I really love talking to and is uh, Justin Bauman. He's, he is great. And he's, he has been around and sees it a lot of ways. And then I would, I would have my brother Andy on. I think uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, you, you're in the same place at the same high school for 27 years. You're doing something right. And he could provide some knowledge for, uh, or some other coaches. He's a fiery coach. He's a coach's coach. I, I would love to have him on the podcast. I enjoyed getting to know him the past year. Yeah, he, he would be, he would be a good one. Coach, what advice do you have for coaches either trying to get into the business or trying to work their way up the ladder? Uh, I think I've hit on this a number of times. Number one is who you're with, not where you are. Uh, the, the second piece of advice I would give you is uh, you can't have one foot in the door and one foot out the door that you better work the job that you've got and be really good. No matter what role you're in, be the best that you can be at it because that gets noticed a whole lot quicker uh, than somebody who's always looking for their next gig. And so when you get an opportunity, you make the most of the opportunity, you do it to the best of your abilities, and you will get noticed because you are doing that. And then I would say uh, the connections that you make, make them deep, don't make them shallow. I think you'd be better off knowing a few people really well that they're tree branches rather than knowing a bunch of people and just trading phone numbers and emails and names with them and really not knowing them and they don't knew because at the end of the day, people are going to hire people that they know and that they have a relationship with and that, that they can trust and, and will be loyal to them. So, uh, and then study the game, learn from other people, you know, don't just think you know it all. And if, if you do think you know it all, you're in trouble. So keep learning. You know, when I went to clinics, uh, with the State High School Athletic Association, I always noticed that the coaches who won the most games were the older coaches who were still coming to clinics rather than out playing golf or out doing something else. And they were there. They were taking notes. They were listening to coaches. And I picked that up as a young coach. And I followed the, their lead. And so get to clinics, get get go to practices, watch games, you know, use your connections to – to help you learn the game and, and never be afraid to ask for help. Coach, if listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way, email, social media, what have you? Well, I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh, 
Coach Muse. Uh, you, you can email me at muse, M-U-S-E-M, at wfu.edu. Coach, can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Um, you know, just knowing you the past couple of years, you've been a great friend, resource, confidant. And so I really genuinely do appreciate our, uh, our friendship. Well, thank you. And, and, and I know that great days are ahead for you. You work at it, you take care of people and whoever gets to put you on their staff is going to be blessed beyond measure because you're a hard worker and you're a go-getter and you treat people the right way and you carry yourself with class. And I, I know players will be lucky to play for you. And if I ever got a head coaching job, you'd be one of the guys I'd be looking out to hire. So I appreciate you're, you're a good man, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.